12-sided stories is for mature audiences and often deals with topics that may be difficult for some listeners. Discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to 12-Sided Stories' actual play of Bluebeard's Bride. And now, your groundskeeper, B. Zelda. Hello and welcome. I am going to be your master of ceremonies today. My name is B. Zelda. My pronouns are they, them, and we are going to be playing some Bluebeard's Bride. I'm a big fan of a bit of a round table. If we all want to go around, just say who you are, what your pronouns are, and... Any, hmm, do we want to go haunted? Any brief haunted stories you can share? You know, my brief haunted story would be that there used to be this child I would always see in the middle of the street when I'd be out at like 3 a.m. really drunk and trying to get home. I have to wonder if it wasn't just the raccoon, but I would like to believe that that was a child that would always come out 3 a.m. like Friday night. Uh, <laughs> and it still haunts me to this day. Uh, let's go around to Pooja. Hi, I'm Pooja, and my pronouns are she, her, and my haunted story is that I have a wardrobe, like a freestanding wardrobe in my room, and it was always fine and latched fine, whatever, until one night in the middle of the night, it just started to open itself. And now it won't stay closed. I've adjusted the latches, I've done the whole thing, but it won't. It will always open itself. I'd like to believe that modern ghosts really care about fashion, so I think that's what's happening here. <laughs> they are telling me. <laughs> yep, yep. They are definitely judging me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If it's a toddler ghost, you could get one of those th like toddler like locks and yes. put it on there and they'll never be able to get out again. The problem is I would never be able to get into the wardrobe again. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Otis, how are you today? I'm fine. So I'm Wes Otis, uh, he, him pronouns, and I'm very excited. My most haunted thing, I don't know if it's haunted or not, but I used to work graveyard and I did restoration for films from the 80s that were being put on DVDs. And so we did like Hellraiser and Evil Dead and all of these. We, I did Chud. <laughs> so, and I'd finish the show and I would just listen to the audio. And I would come out into the hallway at three in the morning. Everything's completely dark except for like one emergency light that would flicker at the end. And it, it always freaked me out because I'd, I'd have headphones on and I'd be listening to Pinhead. Like, we have such things to show you. And it's like, no. <laughs> Definitely so, ghosts. But those were entertained ghosts. So yeah. they would never hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my <laughs> the, that's the, probably the most haunted thing that I can think of is working graveyard and doing horror movies. So. That's a really cool experience. At the time, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can look upon it now and appreciate right, it. Right, yeah, absolutely. You know, your fear in that moment was very valid. <laughs> uh, Michelle, why don't you go next? All right, I'm Michelle Otis, and my pronouns are she, her. And narrowing it down to just one spooky story is hard. I've come from a very spooky family. But uh, I used to work at a high school because I was the choir director. So I was in the auditorium quite a lot. And the piano would sometimes just play itself. Yes. There were, because there were two pianos in the auditorium. One was on the stage and one was on the floor. And the one on the stage would often just play. And I mean, like, not, it didn't sound like, oh, a rat ran across the keys or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was actual pieces. I love that. Oh my God. <laughs> 
Yeah. And we were, we were at, uh, we had some event and at the end of the event, like we had parent volunteers helping us clean up and everything like that. And we weren't quite done. And the, the Dean had gone up onto the stage, you know, to put some stuff backstage and he comes down off the stage and goes, you know what? I think we can, we can finish up tomorrow. Thank you, everybody. Let's go. And I'm like, why the bums rush? He goes, you didn't hear the piano. He's like, when the piano plays time to get out. (laughs) Oh, I love that. You know, that was just like an OG musician that could never, like they probably died like a day after playing that piano or something. And like, that's their last fond memory. So they come back to like the piano was donated to the school by some alumni and it was their father's piano. Yes. And so (laughs) my theory, his first name was James. And so I would talk to James when I was in the auditorium just to like keep myself calm, Mm -hmm. you know, but, um, but yeah, uh, I think it was James. Nice. Oh my gosh. I love that. Uh, well now last but not least, but our most spooked player joining us. (laughs) (laughs) J9. My name is Janine. My pronouns are she, her. And my family is also a little spooky as well, which is why I'm like, no, I don't need like the extra like. (laughs) (laughs) It's I'm like, oh, oh, no, this is like this is very real. So I am not going to go with the spookiest story. I am going to go with the most recent, (laughs) which happened last night. Actually, I just moved into a new apartment. Um, I am like next door to my sister. Basically, we're in the like one building over. So she was over last night. We're getting the apartment all cleaned up and I'm in the bedroom making the bed and like assembling the bed frame and she's cleaning the kitchen and like inside of the cabinets. And I'm the type of person that like if I hear someone in the other room react to something, I'm automatically like, what happened? Or are you okay? So we've been like shouting back and forth, uh, whatever, like we find interesting things we find from previous tenants, like, you know, three-year-old potentially garlic salt in the back of the cabinet. I'm like, oh, (laughs) odd. Nice. And all of a sudden I hear a, and I'm like, are you, she comes sprinting. Like I hear her hit the ground in the kitchen because she was up on a stool, like reaching into the back of some cabinets. And she comes running through the hallway into the bedroom. She goes, you didn't just leave the kitchen, did you? And I'm like, no, I'm I've been back here like this whole time. And she's like, "Okay." I turned around because I thought I heard you behind me. And she said that she saw something like I have a cat, but Mm -hmm. Dory was minding her own business in her cat palace. (laughs) She's like, I saw someone walk through this entrance to the hall to come back to the bedroom where I was. And like, we've both been cleaning the apartment for a little bit. And I'm like, it's bedtime. Let's go. I'm sleeping (laughs) on your couch tonight. We have to go. And she was like, do you need me to bring over the Palo Santo? And I was like, girl, I opened the drawer. I'm like, it's right here. We're going to do this tomorrow because I'm tired. But I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. Oh, I love that. Well, She's very sensitive. And I'm like, and I hate it. Because I'm like, don't, just don't tell me. (laughs) <laughs> like I just wanted to go to sleep tonight in my own apartment. <laughs> hey, now you don't have to worry about being alone anymore. Ever again. <laughs> Before we start, please consider supporting the show through Patreon or on coffee.com spelled K-O-F-I. Now, on with the show. 
So good. Well, I think that's a, a good way to do some intros, get us kind of in the mood for the disturbing and spooky content that we are going to experience. But before we get into that, it is important that I do mention that as a group, we have gone over our lines and veils. This is a game that does deal with some very disturbing content. I like to describe it as a feminist gothic horror in the sense that we are going to be playing a game where my players are all embodying one woman, the bride. You don't even earn a name. You are just this nameless woman who has a role to fulfill and you will be reliving some experiences that other women have had. So the content is not going to be for the faint of heart. With that being said, the X card is always going to be in play for our game. That can be signaled in chat, with your mouth words, on camera, in Roll20, any way you feel necessary. And we will remove any content that you feel is making you uncomfortable to try and make this game as safe and spooky at the same time. All right, now to properly set the tone, I would like to read you the story of Bluebeard. Is anybody here familiar with it at all? To Janine? Okay, well, this might be for your uh, listening pleasure and to any of our listeners who are also unfamiliar with this. Once upon a time, there lived a lord whose palace was so splendid and so richly furnished that even the sultans could not be compared with it. He had dishes of gold and silver, sofas and chairs upholstered in the finest silk. The walls were adorned with every kind of curious antique. There was, however, something very odd about this lord. The color of his beard was a rich and shocking blue. His countenance was both distinct and unmistakable. And so he was never spoken of by his real title, which was grand and noble undoubtedly. But instead, he was simply referred to as Bluebeard. He was a fearsome man with deep-set eyes, and he was known for having an uneven temper. Even so, Bluebeard had been married many times. No one quite knew what had become of each one of his wives in turn, as there had never been a funeral at the palace that anyone living could remember. They simply vanished, and when time passed, he would marry anew. One day, Bluebeard went hunting in the countryside near his estate. With the sun high, he came upon a dilapidated farmstead and wished to slake his thirst and rest. The farmers were eager to please the powerful lord and sent their lovely young daughter scurrying to serve him tea and bread. Bluebeard was instantly smitten with her. He decided right then and there he would take her as his wife. For a week, he entertained her amongst a cadre of other fine lords and ladies. No expense was spared. His wealth was dazzling in the way a cobra dazzled a mouse. After that single, hedonistic week, Bluebeard came to call with a marriage proposal. Bluebeard scared the young woman, but she couldn't let her family languish in poverty. And besides, maybe his beard wasn't quite that blue. So, she accepted his proposal. In short order, they were married at the palace. Such a sight it was. A thousand white lilies decorated the pagoda for the ceremony. Delightful incense burned throughout the night. The young bride awoke the next morning alone in her bed her marriage yet unconsummated. That caused her some amount of anxiety and yet also relief. She was escorted by a servant to the dining hall and there she found Bluebeard breaking his fast. He greeted her cheerily and bade her to eat. Bluebeard informed her that he had received urgent news and must leave at once on a journey of much importance and he would likely be gone many weeks. He consoled her with a kiss and gave her the keys to every door in his house. He bade her to amuse herself in his absence. Here, he said, are the keys to your new home. The smallest key, my dear, is for the closet at the end of the great gallery. Open everything 
Go everywhere, save this one little room. I forbid you to use that key. And so the story of Bluebeard is told in cycles, because at the end of the day, the bride often cannot resist the lure of that tiny key, and no one knows whatever happens to those brides, except no one ever sees them again. So congrats, you're about to get married to Bluebeard. (laughs) All right, we are going to move on to my favorite process. Um, Does anybody have any questions about that um, beautiful fairy tale? No, it seems pretty straightforward to me. Unfortunately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so we've all selected a archetype, a playbook. Each one of these playbooks will be representations of part of this bride's psyche. So Pooja, for example, you are the virgin. Could you read to me the little blurb that is associated with your playbook? You see beauty where there is none. Others seek comfort in your warmth and delight in your obedience. Excellent. So that really is telling on the kind of character that you're going to play. Right underneath that, there are some face moves. Now, these are moves that can be used once per room, and they also kind of reflect your face, your visage, the kind of person that you put out to your other sisters internally. Out of the three face moves, is there any one that stands out to you? I think the moth. Perfect. When you investigate a mysterious object by placing yourself in immediate danger, the groundskeeper asks you a question off the list provided. Your answer is truth. Mark a trauma to earn a second question. Fabulous. And for those who are unfamiliar, we don't necessarily take physical harm in this. It is categorized as trauma. So each of the sisters have four or five, five trauma before they shatter. And upon shattering, you're no more. Sure, you still exist inside of the body of the bride, but you're just an echo of yourself. Wes, why don't you go over and read the mother blurb and then let us know what move you have chosen. Sure. You walk with authority. Others ache for your approval and long for you to soothe their wounds. And I think I would like the martyr as my face move, which is uh, you will take your love to the ends of the world. When you offer forgiveness for a sister's sin, mark a trauma, one for two, to heal that sister. That is one of my favorite face moves because there's no way you can do it nicely. Right. Um, So I look forward to your usage of this. (laughs) Michelle, you have chosen the fatale. Let me know what that means. You drip sensuality from your lips. Others watch your every move and crave for you to take control. Ooh. And what face move have you chosen? I kind of like the one that says it's the dancer. Remove a piece of your clothing to care for someone. That item of clothing is lost to you forever, but it feeds the appetite of the horror or servant until the bride speaks again. That one can be very, very useful. Um, You know, you just have to get a little naked in order to help others. (laughs) And it's, it's an interesting way to handle a situation. All right. And then finally, the witch. Janine, tell us a little bit about that one. So it says, you braid magic from shadow and blood. Others desire a taste of your sin and pray for your undoing. So the face that I have chosen is the medium. So I feel like that's more of a like supportive sister. It says, spill your blood to commune with the horrors of the room. Mark one trauma and the groundskeeper will share whisperings about what happened here. And might ask you a question or two. 
answer then. I like that one a lot. Again, that's like the most supportive of the other three that we have so far. So that's that's going to be good. Yeah, I'm playing support role. Let's all live. Mm-hmm. So keep in mind, these face moves can be used once per room. So you are not exhausted to just using them like once per game. You can get creative with them. If you don't use them in that room, that's okay. All right, now we get to do a bit of the story building, which is my personal favorite. Pop into a character sheet. Don't worry about the stats. I'm going to go in and fill it in for everybody. Um, just it'll save a little bit of time. All right, so underneath the face move and under your trauma, does everybody see sisterly bonds and wedding prep? Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. We are going to go through the wedding prep first. I like to do this simply because it'll give you an idea of who this bride is, who you are as a person. And as parts of her, you get to detail very specific iterations in parts of her as well. And that will help you get an idea of who you are when it does come time to creating bonds with each other. So in the same order we've been doing, Pooja, can you read to me what your first question is under wedding prep? What do the bride's eyes look like? I think that the bride's eyes are very, they're very dark. Like her irises are so deep of a brown, they look almost black. And they're fringed with thick lashes. But her eyes are, are set rather far apart on her face. So rather than looking as imposing as they could, she looks a little startled. Is she or are you proud of your eyes? Are you comfortable with them? How do they make you feel every time you look in the mirror and catch your reflection staring back? I look at my eyes and I, I appreciate that they're a little further apart, that I don't look like I'm scowling. I think that in the future, this will help me not have as many wrinkles. And I do want to be pleasing to my husband for as long as possible. Um, can you read out your next question, please? How do others know you want them when they gaze into your eyes? I think that because of the darkness, like how, how dark my eyes are, they act almost as a reflection. So people know that I want them. They believe that I want them when they see themselves in my gaze. And what are you leaving behind from your provincial life to become Bluebeard's Bride? So this question will start to kind of build up a little bit of who you are as the Virgin. So whatever you left behind, it's kind of important to you as this Virgin persona. It can be a physical thing like a scarf or a cat. It can be you left behind vineyards or your tiny little garden. It could be your mother or your favorite pair of shoes. I think I left behind my my favorite doll. I've had her since I was a child and I loved her as my own, but it is as everyone has been telling me that it is time to leave behind childish things. What is the doll wearing? I think she's wearing a a set of overalls with a very frilly shirt underneath. When you first met, what loving gesture did Bluebeard make that won you over? Bluebeard gave me half of a sweet filled roll that he had in his pouch. Ew. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not describing that particularly well, I suppose. I mean, like. No, I mean, I'm just picturing like a smushed up roll that he had in his pocket all day. I got you these candies. <laughs> They're a little flat and warm. <laughs> I mean, I will say that it had. It had retained quite a bit of heat from the oven, and I was surprised at how long it <laughs> since it had been. Gone got you for some so day-old pocket bread. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. I mean, if that's what it took, that's what it took, you know? We're not here to judge entirely. We're just here to judge partially. <laughs> it's important. Judgment is important to growth. <laughs> uh-huh. So do you trust this man that gave you pocket sweetbread? <laughs> I feel like maybe I should not have said sweetbread because I think sweetbread is like meat. <laughs> it is. Oh, I didn't know that. I just I just pictured like a sweet bread. <laughs> and that's what I pictured. But then I rem- remembered when I Googled it after watching like Hannibal. And I don't think that's what it is at mm, all. Sweetbreads are definitely like your glands and portions of brain. Yeah. Ew. Mm-hmm. I like that that's what he fed you, though. That, that <laughs> might work better than the actual bread. Some yeah. oven warm sweetbreads. It is getting creepier and creepier as we go along. <laughs> that really changes the tone of everything. <laughs> Here's some giblets. Enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) This is the man that you're enamored with. (sighs) My goodness. All right. Yeah. Do you do you trust him or do you hold unkind suspicions? I think I do. I trust him. Obviously, with his gift, he sees me as someone more sophisticated and someone who is going to grow into a perfect partner for him. Oh, I love that. It hurts. Was there a gift that you presented to your husband-to-be right before the wedding? Yes, I gave him a bracelet knotted from yarn that I had combed from the sheep on our property. That's so cute and so like farm person. Oh, I love it. All right, fabulous. Wes, what are, uh, 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 what is your first question under wedding prep? What is the bride's figure like? Uh, she is strong, she has a farmer's build. If you would, someone that works on a farm and works hard, doing different chores all day, milking cows, washing clothes, doing all of those things. So uh, her body is very strong and I'm going to say wiry. She has just a very muscular build. Are you fond of your body? Are you secure in the person that you are physically in that regard? I am. I'm like my mother, who also did the same thing, and my sisters. And so I don't see a problem with the way that I am. I love that. And what do others, however, wish was different about your rather muscular, lean body? Are you busty enough to fulfill the social expectations? Do you have good birthing hips? Or what is it, ch- child birthing hips? Yeah, birth- the birthing hips yeah. is, would be the right vernacular. <laughs> I'm going to say no. Uh, I am, compared to other women in my circles, maybe not as busty. And uh, I do have birthing hips, though. I do look like I could have children easily. With maybe get through one or two children before some horrible accident of our medical system happens. So, <laughs> or lack thereof. Or what lack year thereof. Is it? <laughs> well, I'm assuming that it's pretty old timey since we have pocket sweet meat. That I don't. I'm not sure what year it is, but <laughs> wait, pocket sweet meat doesn't exist everywhere. I, yeah, I, I mean, time-wise, Timeless. I'm not it's sure. Timeless. In all times, pocket sweet meat is there. <laughs> Wait, we went from sweet breads to sweet meats because <laughs> I, of yeah. the bullying. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but no, her body is strong and she's muscular. 
Um, so sometimes uh, she is, you know, looked at as maybe not being as slight as the others or as busty. Mm-hmm. Perfect. What are you leaving behind from your provincial life to become Bluebeard's Bride? Well, a true love that I was never able to pull into my life because my parents wanted me to marry well off as quickly as possible. So my true love had to be left behind. Tell me a little bit more about them. Were they same age? Did they work on a farm? Were they a farmhand? Did they clean? What? How did this happen? They're definitely a farmhand. He is one of the local boys that I grew up with. He is maybe a year younger than me. And we always talked about getting married and we're saving ourselves for each other when that happened. Oh. But we never had a chance to broach the subject because Bluebeard appeared on the horizon. Perfect. Your poor little, like, virgin heart. <laughs> <laughs> so how did Bluebeard win you over then? And did he even win you over, especially when your heart belongs to somebody else? How did you eventually give in to be able to... to like the arguments or perhaps like the pressure of your parents to marry this rich man? Well, at first I was incredibly hesitant. I didn't want to go against my parents, but I also didn't want to lose my love. So at first it was difficult, but when I met him, he kissed my hand and bowed and I felt that he was giving me at least a certain amount of respect and that won me over enough to say, you know, okay, I didn't want to upset my parents or disappoint the family. Out. Mm -hmm. I like that. You're doing your duty. Mm -hmm. What gift did you give Bluebeard for the wedding? My grandfather had a coat that I took time and sewed and made it very, very nice that I'm not sure if he likes or not, but I gave it to him as a family heirloom to kind of cement the fact that he was part of the family now. I like that. And do you trust this man that you are now married to? Or do you have unkind suspicions about your husband? I'm going to say I trust him. He's a little old for me. And that puts me off a little bit. He's not like my love. And but he did show me respect. He accepted the gift graciously. And so far, he has not given me too many concerns. All right, Michelle, who is playing our fatale, what is your first question for this wedding prep? What does the bride's mouth look like? She has really lovely full lips. You know, they have that little bit of blush that a younger woman's lips have. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the fairy tale, you know, ruby red lips or yeah whatever. that are naturally <laughs> like that for some yeah, wild for reason some weird reason yeah so yeah she has just nice full lips okay are you proud of your lips it sounds like you might be oh yeah you know especially as the fatale i'm like this is an asset yeah. <laughs> perfect and what is your second question how do others keep her quiet oh that's my favorite one i think that they try to either distract her by not so much distract her, but like redirect. So, you know, she might be saying something people don't want to hear from a girl her age or, you know, or a woman at all or <laughs> whatever. And they'll redirect her like, oh, 
oh, you forgot to get this from the barn or, oh, <laughs> it's frustrating. But she she does want to be a good person in this world, you know, so like obedient to her parents, whatever, to a certain extent. But they use that to their advantage. OK, that sounds genuinely like what I do with my dog when I need her to focus, <laughs> redirect. You know, you're not paying attention to me because you're looking at squirrels. Like, what about this ball over here? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely what I do to my cat when she tries to attack my feet under the cover. <laughs> Redirect the attention. It works with toddlers. It works with students. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to apply that to adults, you know, you got to wonder. All right. So what did you have to leave behind from your provincial life to become this bride? Tedium. Oh, <laughs> I want to get out of this one horse town. I mean, there's got to be like two horses. One is on the way out, but still. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, she wants adventure. She wants to explore. She wants something different. I love that. So how did Bluebeard win you over then? Because I can't imagine it was difficult. He asked my permission before he kissed me. I can't. It goes back to like that respect. Exactly. You know? Huh. The bar is underneath the sea. Oh, isn't it though? <laughs> Always. And yet, and yet people dive to get underneath it. <laughs> oh, fabulous. And what gift did you present to him right before your wedding? Well, since my family is not a family of means, I wrote him a story. Oh, what was it about? I don't know. No. <laughs> I didn't write it. I mean, <laughs> um, I probably wrote him a story about like, like a fairy story, you know, um, like a fairy tale, but one about that makes the girl very clever in the story. Did he read it or did you read it out loud to him? Like, are you, do you know if he has consumed that media? I read it out loud to him. Okay. Well, it sounds like the two of you are off to a great start. Is this a man that you trust? Not entirely, because I never entirely trust any man. <laughs> we got snaps from the witch. <laughs> oh, well, that is a great segue because that is going to bring us over to the witch. We are going to build a little bit of this character that you are playing. So what is your very first question? What is the bride's hair like? I'd say that she's always tried to keep it long as possible without having it in the way of her work with her family. And it's always been a source of contention because of the resources and time that she takes to keep it as neat and clean and like shining, flowy black hair. But it's as free and loose, but also very well maintained. I like that. That's very telling about, you know, the kind of person that you want to be. However... How do others like you to wear it? Because it's definitely not long and free and just billowing in the wind like that. Scandalous. There are certain hairstyles that have been enforced upon her in the past, particularly involving braiding the entire length and tucking it under a cap or any way that would have it out of the way. But of course, when Bluebeard came, there was this whole, oh, make it look nice, add some braids and some adornments, but also out of the way not you're not a wild woman Ugh. what i want uh, <laughs> so generally speaking kept up and out of the way or kept in braids okay and to become this wife you have to leave something behind from the home that you lived in 
What was it? I think it would be more than like a physical object. Their friends, her acquaintances that uh, supported her. There are also women who prefer to wear their hair longer. And it was a separation of don't ever write again in a way that was very... um, you're a wife now. I won't have my wife writing letters. You know how to read? What is this? Ugh, disgusting. <laughs> oh, goodness. So when you first met, how did he win you over? Because it obviously wasn't by giving you the freedom to write letters to your friends when you move into his castle. I think bringing a gift of dried wildflowers that had intention behind them, which showed some forethought of planning because you don't dry flowers overnight. And they were all seemed very intentionally chosen. Was there any color palette that stood out to you amongst them? The flower in particular was the cornflower, which traditionally grows in like pale blues and purple and some white. And there was a variety of all of the the kinds of gradients of blue and purple. It's like matches your beard. Ah, that's really nice. All right. Well, if that's what he presented to you to win you over, what gift did you present to Bluebeard before the wedding? She made him a belt with some of the dried flowers woven into it and a few little blessings, if you will, to take with him whenever they were apart. Absolutely. That's lovely. So this sounds, again, quite lovely on the surface, but... Which? Is this a man that you trust as a dear husband, or do you hold unkind suspicions? Well, as our fatale said, trust no man. Definitely very much guarding herself. She's not fully aware of what it could entail, but there is always a danger, especially with men who would forbid you from speaking to others. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So... With this kind of team building character creation, we have built a woman, you know, bit by bit. She has these beautiful dark eyes with thick lashes. Her eyes are set a little wide apart and she's always looking surprised and they are beautiful and you know that she is proud of them. But if you can get past that, your eyes kind of slide down to these full lips that are always a little blushed red. However, the rest of her body is a little angular. She's got these broad shoulders, flat chest, and these arms that could pull tree roots out. If you look too closely, her hands might have some calluses on them, and her legs are very sturdy. She's tall and lean, but underneath all of that farmer's clothing, you know there's years of muscle that has been put on through all of the farm work. Others might call her a little boyish, but that could all be forgotten as her long hair that cascades to the small of her back is let loose out of the braids that are often forced upon her. When the wind is blowing just right, she can catch that breeze right under the back of her neck and it just sets her long black hair flowing and it makes her feel beautiful. This is a woman with a lot of independence, but also a lot of friends. Friends, a love, a family, and sisters all taken away from her so that she could marry a man with a lot of money. Now, we're going to do a couple of bonds together because you now have an idea of what kind of a person you are as individuals and as a whole. But now we need to understand how you as parts of her psyche interact with each other. Quick question. Can I change my face? Absolutely. 
pretty much any time between now and when we play, if you decide even in the moment that a different face makes more sense, just let us know and that'll be like your default face going going forward. Okay. So I think I like I think I like the spider. That's like the creepy one where you're like uh, doing something from the shadows or what is that one again? Your beauty and charm get you what you want. When you trap a servant or horror with your feminine wiles, they will tell you a secret about either the house or bluebeard. Mark a trauma to ask a follow-up question. That trauma is always worth it. <laughs> and that does go for everybody else if you decide that the move that we chosen or you had chosen and spoken about at the beginning you're like you know what this doesn't really reflect the character that i've now sunk into that is modifiable right up until you use it all right so virgin you trust your sisters for the most part but blank blackens your innocence with her every word explain how this sister became your enemy who do you not get along with? I actually think I don't get along with the mother. Ooh. I think that it was her insistence upon tying us to this boy. Oh, God, yes. And I, f I would say that whereas I understand the allure of staying with what we know, that we were destined to be so much more. And there... We're full of potential that needs to be fulfilled. Oh, that is fantastic. All right, we have one more bond for you. So you do still trust your sisters for the most part, but Blank often helps you play tricks on the others. Explain a time when she was your ally in mischief. I think the witch helped me. One night when we had to sneak away to meet Bluebeard, and we just put a little bit of a certain root that she knew about in the night stew so that everyone in the house was asleep when we wanted to go. It's a little mischievous, but nobody got hurt. No. So long as no one overate, it was fine. <laughs> and since we're poor, there's never enough to go around. So everyone thought that I was very self-sacrificing when I gave my portion to my father. Oh my gosh. He was the first one to be out. <laughs> oh, that is excellent. All right. Mother. This one's hard. Yeah. Would you like to read it out loud? Sure. I want to just emphasize this. You know best, and you try to guide your wayward sisters, but blank irritates you with their obstinance. Hmm. That one's hard. So I had a question. Yeah. Do I know that the Virgin has these issues with me or not? Because I kind of went with not in my brain. That's for the two of you, yeah. What do you think, Pooja? I, I think I might be oblivious to your annoyance with me. That makes sense. I mean, it's not like you've ever really given much thought to what the rest of us want anyway. <laughs> I mean, true. Mother knows best. Mother knows best. It literally says, I know best. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put uh, actually the fatale as the sister that I have to try to guide the most. Because if it wasn't for her, I'm going to say carnal wants, we <laughs> might not have had to fall in love the boy at the stables as hard as we did. So she kind of, she, she did not help in that situation. Oh my goodness. Throwing shade. I was trying to be more reserved. Mm. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> if this ain't shaming, I don't know what is. <laughs> oh, I am here for this. 
Well, mother, you do still know best, and you do try your best to guide your wayward sisters, but there is a sister that you trust to have your back. And when have they supported you? This is where the, the knife turns. Uh, the virgin. Hey. I trust her. She's always been very nice and is, you know, morally upstanding being a virgin. And so, therefore, I know I don't have to worry about her as much as the others uh, getting us into trouble because she's very virtuous. So, wow. <laughs> I'm trying to add as many angles in there for you as I can. <laughs> oh, you're doing so great. That just means like it hurts, but that's a good yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In this game, that means you're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so excellent. All right, Fatal, let's figure out what kind of bonds you have going. If you have it open, would you like to read your first sisterly bond? Yes, uh, your sisters are who they are, boring and predictable, but blank has no idea of a woman's true power. Explain why you wish to teach her. And I'm going to say the virgin has no idea of a woman's true power. And I wish to teach her because she's got to learn. Because if you don't learn how to control that man in your life, you know, what, what, well, how is life worth living? Let's come on. I'm making so many disgusted faces, but you're killing it, Michelle. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Role-playing, honey, role-playing. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> oh, I've died. <laughs> All right. So your sisters are who they are. Boring and predictable. But who do you try to draw in with your seductive aura? And how do you hide your insecurities from this sister? I try to draw in the witch with my seductive aura. And how do I hide my insecurities? That's a tough one. I think maybe... I think deflecting a lot when it, it seems like my insecurity is going to show, I just deflect and let the focus be on someone else for a while or, you know, oh, yeah, but what about so-and-so? She did this. <laughs> it almost sounds like that's what people do to you. Therefore, you do it to yourself internally. Mm -hmm. Weird. If only you were ever treated with kindness. <laughs> <laughs> so bizarre. Oh, gosh. Real life reflections. <laughs> they hurt i know talk about an exercise in psychology oh my gosh this game you're gonna have so many moments where it just it physically hurts <laughs> uh, all right witch you are last one to create some bonds with your sisters if you have it open go ahead and read your first bond please your sisters are not nearly as important as power but the mother is a useful tool um and it says explain how they helped your pursuit a blasphemous craft all it takes is the slightest hint of uh, either of the other two getting up to something that is morally reprehensible and against mother's wishes to put kind of a screen up on my own doings. There's a preoccupation with the moral upstanding of the two who seem like they could actually be helped and or guided in a way that I am outside of and allows me to get away with more. <laughs> I appreciate that's the end goal. Hmm. Um, and the second question, our sisterly bond, is blank draws an evil to her. Explain what you have done to keep that evil at bay. I would say that that's the virgin. There's something about her energy that attracts this, which is why I'm always so willing to help her with 
her antics rather than her getting into something that is out of the bounds of control for me. Gotta keep her safe. I love that. Must protect. All right, so to kind of cap off this character creation, I like to set it with a bit of a scene. It's your wedding day. The time has come, your family has gathered. It's a beautiful outdoor wedding. The cornflowers have been sprinkled all up and down the aisle. The chairs are upholstered. Everything has been made out of the wool and the food has been provided from your family. Bluebeard contributed a little in the sense that you were provided with the most glorious dress. It is a dress that wasn't made for somebody of your size, however. It was tight on the bodice. Your shoulders were barely able to move. You were given a dark lipstick that was more becoming of somebody to be a bride. Your hair was done up in multiple braids and then wrapped around your head like a swirling pattern that Bluebeard insisted upon. And your eyes were covered in a dark makeup that almost took away from the natural radiance of your lashes. As the two of you stand upon that altar, hand in hand, eyes locked upon each other, as Bluebeard leans down to your ear while the minister prattles on in the background, he whispers to you, it's unfortunate that dress couldn't fit you better. And from the minister you hear, and now you may kiss the bride. And that's our first session. Okay. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> You're so rich that you couldn't get this dress tailored to fit me properly. Excuse me. That's on you. It's. I mean, I'm just, before we go, I have to say, it's yes. obvious that the tailor he used is just jealous of us. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been the introduction session of Bluebeard's Bride, a game by Magpie, which is quite literally one of my most favorite and repeatedly played games. As always, I am your master of ceremonies, your gravekeeper, B Zelda. You can find me on Twitter as at B underscore Zelda. I am a podcaster, a member of the Broadswords, a host of Anime Attaché, and a player in the Powerplay RPG podcast. I am a streamer. You'll have to follow me on Twitter to figure out my Twitch schedule. And I am the social media manager for the Dungeons and Dragons Adventures League. Follow me just to figure out what the heck I'm doing. Uh, moving on down with some outros. Pooja, where can folks find you and support the heck out of you? Hi, I'm Pooja. You can find me on Twitter at LADaisyGirl. That's L-A-D-E-S-I girl. And on pretty much all the other socials as Forgotten Saves. I regularly play uh, DGRPGs on It's Probably Okay's Twitch channel. And you can find me in the Happy Jacks RPGs back catalog as well. Hey, I'm Michelle Otis. You can find me on Twitter at Michulu. That's M-I-C-H-U-L-H-U. You can also find my music uh, through Plate Mail Games on DriveThruRPG, or you can subscribe to BattleBards. Hello, I'm Janine. I am regularly on Total Party Chill's uh, Twitch channel, but I am soon to be streaming my own things at some point eventually. And you can find me on Twitch and Twitter at Blips and Chits. That is B as in boy, L-I-P-Z-A-N-D-C-H-I-T-Z. That was really hard for me to spell. I will say that 
the reason why I say L-A-D-E-S-I girl is because the first time I did it, I just forgot how to spell girl. <laughs> G-R-R-R-R-L. Yep, that's what I see on the internet. That's the one. Oh, marvelous. Well, this brings us to our very last player who was normally in the GM seat. So I'm quite happy to have wrestled that from his arms and assumed that uh, wonderful chair. But Wes. Hello, I'm Wes Otis, and I really appreciate BU uh, running this game for us. It's awesome. So I'm looking forward to seeing how everything plays out. You can find me at Plate Mail Games on Twitter. You can find my sound effects and music, like Michelle said, either on DriveThruRPG or on BattleBards under Plate Mail Games. You can find the show under 12, the number, and then Cited Stories on Twitter. And then just 12-sided stories written out on, you know, for our regular website. If you'd like to help out the podcast, you can help out in several ways. You can join us on Patreon. Uh, As a member, you can join us on Coffee as well. And you could give us a review uh, on any of the sites that you listen on. We really appreciate when when people give us reviews and stuff. Or shout outs on social media help a lot too, because, you know, it tells people, hey, this show is worth listening to. And uh, again, B, thank you so much. Uh, We will talk with you all very soon. Bye.